I had lived my entire life as a school horse here in this valley. Friends had come and gone, yet my comforts remained constant. The Blue Ridge Mountains, the Allegheny Mountains, and the Maury River all surrounding me. These mountains, all blue to me, were home. I was grateful, too, that I had lived a life of service under the care of a decent enough owner. I had seen cruel hands on others, and I was deeply aware of my position. Though throughout much of my life I longed for something more, the greatness, perhaps, that my dam foresaw, I was content to have been treated fairly. My fortune changed, however, when my owner's fortune changed overnight. The day before had ended the same as most days. We were led to our rooms, given our grain, and the barn was closed up for the evening. But the next morning, no one came to feed us. By the time the sun had moved high into the sky, we all were hungry and panicked. We kicked our doors until finally some of the students arrived to feed us and turn us out. Monique, the proprietor of the stable and my owner, did not show. That was the first day since my birth that I had not seen her. Though I did not love Monique, I depended on her. The students who came in her place spoke in hushed tones and whispered of the terrible and sudden death of Monique's husband. These whispers also spoke of a debt incurred by the dead man, a debt so enormous that it might force Monique out of her fine brick home and off of several hundred mountainous acres. In the second it took her husband to release his final breath, Monique had been stripped of her status as a wealthy and privileged landowner. There was no recourse left for Monique but to sell everything, including us horses, so that she could return to her native land, a country so far away that she planned never to return to the Blue Mountains. Monique priced all of us reasonably. Many of my fieldmates sold quickly, purchased by current or former students who held a sentimental attachment to their favorite school horses. I recognized these buyers and had taught some of them myself, in their youth and mine. Yet I alone remained a sole horse for sale. I suppose, if you have never before been any girl's or boy's favorite horse, no heart longs for you. With good reason, I was apprehensive that I would be sold at auction in Lynchville. Lynchville held no promising future for a horse like me. In fact, Lynchville offered no future at all only a guarantee that my remaining days would likely be spent in suffering. Kill cells, like the one in Lynchville, employ unspeakably cruel techniques. Among horses, the code of kill buyers is widely understood. They'll do whatever it takes to load a frightened horse who resists his fate en route to slaughter. I have heard that breaking all four legs or cutting out eyes is commonplace. I would as soon have chosen to fend for myself in the Blue Mountains and taken my chances against Bear and Coyote than to have loaded willingly for Lynchville. Monique warned of the distinct possibility of Lynchville as she appealed to our neighbors to extend some small charity to her by taking me in temporarily. 
The stables around Rockbridge County had known me since I was a colt. This fact alone should have made it easier for me to find a home. For who would so easily turn away a long-time neighbor now in need? As we set out, I was hopeful that my breeding and years of experience were assets enough to offset my obvious liabilities. Rockbridge County has never seen a shortage of young, healthy horses. When a horse half my years and of impeccable health could easily have been purchased at an attractive price, there seemed no economic benefit to using me as a school horse. Though athleticism and endurance run through my Appaloosa blood, though agility and strength flow into my Appaloosa muscles, though courage and loyalty live deep in my...